Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Slattery. I'm an author, a speaker, and a ministry leader, and I am passionate about helping people live in freedom because life is too short and we have too much to do for any of us to live enslaved. I would love to connect with you online or on social media. You can find me just by Googling my name. And today I have a friend with me here today. She's a Holy Love team member, and she's an author and a speaker. Her name is Victoria Mejias. Thank you for being with us, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. So like I said, she Victoria is a writer. She's a speaker. She's a former pastor who is extensively involved in the Latino community. She has a heart for authenticity, for transparency, and for helping people recognize the power of grace, which is often experienced through our weakness, something she is quite familiar with as she has multiple sclerosis. Yes. A diagnosis that really involves a lot of weakness. Absolutely. It was life-changing. Um, And it's kind of ironic that we're talking about this topic because I've kind of come full circle um, between the denial and the hiding and the shame to really embracing my weakness and speaking on this topic and teaching people how to embrace their weaknesses as well. Well, I'm really excited that we have an opportunity to learn some of your insights and also how God met you in the middle of your struggles. So we're going to be talking about fear of weakness And we're going to be talking about what that looks like, what it can cost us, what that fear can cost us, and how to find the courage to live with a limp, I I would say, to move forward in freedom. Tell us a little bit about your background pre-diagnosis. Well, I've been in the Omaha community now for 20 years. The majority of my experience has been in the nonprofit community, um, and much of my work has been in human services and kind of semi-labor-intensive. When I was a pastor, I was a missions pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, Prior to even having the official title, I've been in missions for years, traveled to about a dozen countries, and the majority of the work that I've done abroad has been very labor-intensive. So what happened? What led to your diagnosis? I had a lot of random symptoms um, that I was seeing different doctors for. Um, None of it seemed to make sense. I was very young. I was active. I was a runner, um, established a director at a local nonprofit, managing about a half a dozen people and a budget of about $34 million. And none of it seemed to make sense. But I had a doctor who cared enough to dig in and uh, do the different diagnostic tests needed to find out that I had multiple cirrhosis. And it was pretty life-changing for me. How did that feel? Like when you first, if you can, all, I'm sure there were so many emotions. Yes. I had a doctor who cared enough who said, you know, none of this makes sense and it will probably be nothing, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't send you for a CAT scan. And my CAT scan came back abnormal. And it would probably be nothing, but my doctor would feel better if he sent me for an MRI. And my MRI came back abnormal. And they said, you know, it'll probably be nothing, but we need to send you for a spinal tap. And my spinal tap, um, you come back with the results of numbers and what a healthy range would be. My numbers were skyrocketed off the roof. It was no question textbook multiple sclerosis. 
So how'd that feel? You know, I walked into an office where I saw a picture, an image of my brain. And I literally had these little holes in my brain. There were about five of them at the time. And when I initially walked in, I thought, I'm going to die. This is it. I'm going to die. It's either going to be cancer or even some sort of tumor that needs to be operable. And they said, no, it's multiple sclerosis and it's treatable. It's not um, fatal, but it's not curable either. And you'll need to have treatment. And so I took everything they said very literally. I've always kind of been that annoying overachiever. So when they said, take these prescriptions, go to physical therapy this many times, I did it religiously. And unfortunately, I still got worse. And that was pretty defeating. Mm -hmm. Now, I know a little bit about your past. I mean, you were very much an overachiever. <laughs> yeah. And that's strength. Sure. Right? It can appear to be, yes. It can appear. Like, it relies on your strength many times. Yes. So what was your view of weakness or maybe your understanding or your comfort level with weakness prior to your diagnosis? It was something I definitely shied away from. Um, if I'm brutally honest, probably something I would judge in someone mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, I was super active, very much an overachiever. I would annoy anyone when it came to my goals. I didn't want to just meet them. I wanted to exceed them, blow results out of the water. And to continue to keep up with what I was told and to get worse mm -hmm. um, and to, to physically feel my body have limitations, not be able to do what I did before. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm colorblind at this point. And to have seen so many different parts of the world and how vibrant it is and have that taken away from me, um, it, it was very defeating. Because you didn't tell people about your diagnosis for a while. Yes, I didn't know um, that it was multiple sclerosis for a long time. When I got my diagnosis is when I had a team of doctors say, this is why you've gone colorblind. And this is why you've broken your legs while you go out and run. And so much seemed to make sense to them. And meanwhile, I'm dumbfounded and mm -hmm. thinking, how can this be? Um, and particularly when I started to follow doctor's orders and still get worse, it was like, what? <laughs> my, my life seemed to be spinning out of control. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand that. Mm -hmm. um, and Quite honestly, it was it was really depressing because mm -hmm, I kept thinking, mm -hmm. God, how could this be happening to me? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so where God met me was really at a very low point mm -hmm. where I just felt um, a comfort that I've never felt before. And I honestly felt a peace about it as well, where I was able to approach my employer and say, hey, this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need to go out for these treatments. Um and I did keep it pretty pretty close to the chest where I only told maybe a handful of people. Um, but to be honest with you, Jennifer, people knew something wasn't quite right. When you say walking with a limp, I mean, it was quite literal. I went from running three miles a day to barely being able to get up the stairs without limping. Mm -hmm. And how about like other people's perceptions of you. Did you wrestle or do you wrestle with that of them? Because you said at one time, your perception of people when they maybe couldn't overcome something. And I think some of that's just our culture, right? Mm -hmm. Give us a pill, we'll be better. 
Give us the right supplement and we will be amazing. Give us the right affirmation and we'll never be upset. All of those ways that we can orchestrate a perfect life, which scripture doesn't (laughs) reveal. But so what were your thoughts about other people's perception of you? Was that hard? Absolutely. Um, I remember even my butting heads with my doctors Mm -hmm. where I would say, okay, patch me up. I don't have time for this. I'm too busy. I've got two children. I'm a single mom. I I can't be worrying about multiple sclerosis and all these appointments. And they literally had to sit me down and say, there's no patch for this. Mm -hmm. We're going to do our best to keep it from progressing. But what you've lost is gone. And that was a grieving process. Um, And then the few people that knew, it might have just been my insecurities, but I felt like they were coddling me. Mm. And that would almost make me feel worse because I had this kind of cloud of shame Mm. that came with needing help, doing very basic things that I've never needed help to do before. Mm -hmm. Did that challenge your identity at all? It challenged what I thought my identity was. Absolutely. Um, And so where God met me was revealing what my identity is and being able to embrace my weakness and say, realizing my limitations, that's a strength in itself. And I was able to surround people around me who could do things that I couldn't do. And so even collectively as a team, we grew stronger once I really embraced what I could and could not do. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to, two things that you mentioned there that I want to hit on. So I would love to find out. So you said basically through that process, through, I guess, being squeezed in life Mm -hmm. and, and the painful moments where God brought something to the surface that revealed, okay, that is not who I am. So Mm -hmm. who, maybe what was your false identity? Are you alert to what it was? Definitely that overachiever, almost a little bit of a tyrant maybe. Um, and what God revealed in me was this this sense of pride that I didn't even know that was there. This sense of pride in what I had accomplished, um, what my credentials were, um, what I was able to do or overcome, and realizing I can't overcome this. Um, definitely revealed a lot about myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I was reading, so I'm reading Uninvited by Lisa Turkhurst. I've heard so much about it. I'm like, finally, okay, I'm going to read it. And and I adore her. She's amazing. I need to borrow it when you're done. Absolutely. Well, it's a library book. But (laughs) (laughs) um, there's a quote that she gave in her, now she was using it, she was speaking on rejection, but I think it it relates to any kind of pain we experience. And she said, If we give it power to define us, it will haunt us long term. But if we only allow it enough power to refine us, the hurt will give way to healing. Mm -hmm. And I hear that in what you were saying. It was like God used that situation to reveal some things in you that he wanted to refine and purify. And because you pressed into him that he was able to do that work. And I don't think we always press into him when we're hurting or when we're angry, or sometimes I think we have an, uh, sometimes a tendency to pull away. And did you ever feel that temptation? Like with your, cause I don't, you know, I, at least if you're like me, my relationship with Christ can be 
one minute I'm really close to him and one minute I'm surrendered and the next minute I'm angry and I'm pulling away and I'm badger, I I badger him a lot. But so, (laughs) so tell me a little bit about that walk too, of leaning into him versus. I definitely, um, in the immediate thought, okay, I can do this. But it was me. I was saying, I can do this and not saying God can walk me through this. Mm-hmm. And immediately following my diagnosis, I retreated. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would hide mm-hmm. and kind of be that one man island. Um, and so God met me there mm-hmm. in that place where I just, I, I didn't so much want to even be around people because I was so afraid that they would see something that I could not do and and judge me. And um, kind of that that lie, mm-hmm. that accusing lie of you're, you're going to be judged for being uneducated or inarticulate. There are times um, MS gets the better of my speech and mm-hmm. I stutter. And so I just completely retreated. I really mm-hmm. didn't want to mm-hmm. speak mm-hmm. to people, see people. Um, and I would love to tell you that during that retreat, I dug into God's word and, and clung on to him, but that really wasn't the case. It was more like we were butting heads and we Mm -hmm. were wrestling because I just, I really wrestled with that fact of, I felt like I had done so Mm -hmm. much right in my life. So Mm -hmm. how could this be happening? How could so much be spinning out of control? Um, so it was definitely, a lonesome retreat where I kind of backed away from everyone, um, wrestled with God before I embraced my mm-hmm, weakness. Mm-hmm. Someone had told me an analogy about wrestling with God that really resonated. And she basically said, when two people are wrestling, they literally could not be any closer. Mm-hmm. And that, as a mom with a, a young adult daughter, because to get to grasp your own faith, I've seen her have to wrestle with her own things and it's hard to see. And that brings me a lot of comfort. But then also with my own struggles. And then Lisa had another great quote that your conversation reminded me of. And she said, our own strength would not have prepared us for kingdom assignments. It would have crippled us. Now she was speaking. I don't, I don't remember actually what the background of this was, but she was telling a personal story. And then she said, the breaking of us has actually been the making of us. The God strengthened us he could use. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, I can't tell you how blessed I have been um, throughout the entire process and how comforted and blessed I have felt from the moment I accepted it. Because I was definitely in denial. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This isn't happening. This can't happen to me. But um, there were literally times, Jennifer, I can tell you about times that I would be on the floor and I couldn't make it up the stairs. I'm sorry. And my dad would come and literally pick me up, scoop me up, and take me up the stairs. And I would just think, that's a great example of God. Mm. Just holding me, comforting me, and seeing me through this experience. And you're absolutely right. When you wrestle, you can't be any closer. Because we, we definitely butt heads before I accepted. You know, I might not have the most confidence in this body, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do tomorrow, but I know that God's with me through it all. There's such a misconception in the evangelical community. First of all, what joy is. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, joy is this happy emotion that, no, not at all. 
Um, and then also what peace is, that peace is just this absence of conflict and this tranquility. And I always like to mention that joy is a deep assurance of who God is, what he's done, that he's working in our lives. So you can grieve while having joy. Yes. Because joy is not an emotion. Correct. Yeah, I definitely distinct joy from happiness. Mm -hmm. I believe that happiness tends to be rooted in our circumstances Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where joy is rooted in Christ. It's something, Mm -hmm. it's a well that just kind of springs up in us. And for Mm -hmm. me personally, I have not always felt that in the happiest of times. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it's in those darkest hours that for whatever reason, I still have this joy and this peace of, I don't know what's going to happen in the next hour, but I Mm -hmm. know that God's with me. I know Mm -hmm. that I'm in his hands. I know that I'm going to be protected no Mm -hmm. matter what, Mm -hmm. and that I'm his. Mm -hmm. So when you were in your wrestling period and, you know, your fears of being perceived as weak or as inarticulate and that, you know, that it might, you know, might not be used in a way that you had hoped or whatever, what? lie or lies did you feel like were attached to that potentially? I felt a sense of shame Mm -hmm. and I would literally feel like if I left my house, I had this sign on my forehead that said, you know, incapable, Mm -hmm. inadequate. Mm -hmm. And I think the hardest part was when I had to leave my, my job. Mm -hmm. Um, I was not able to fulfill the physical requirements of the job. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking for for other jobs and seeing in the description, these are the physical requirements. And, mm-hmm. and knowing in my heart, I was ruled out for those. Mm-hmm. Um, so lies of just, you're not capable. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, embracing that and saying, God is my strength despite my weakness. Mm-hmm. And being more vocal about it, mm-hmm. getting away from that retreat and having it be all about me mm-hmm. and my emotions and what I mm-hmm. feel and what I think mm-hmm. and getting away from that surface level conversation of, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. And telling people, you know what? I'm not okay today. Mm-hmm. Or I might need a little bit more help today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and making myself more vulnerable. Um, what sprung from that was getting a a bigger sense of transparency in other people Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. they would say, gosh, you know what? I'm not okay either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think so many times we're tempted to say, I'm fine. And once I started telling people I'm not okay Mm -hmm. and it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. I was amazed by how many people would approach me and say, could you pray with me? I'm not okay either. Mm -hmm. I'm having this relational issue. I'm having this issue at work. Mm -hmm. I also received a diagnosis of, and just it, it brought such a new level of authenticity Mm -hmm. and not just with my friends, Mm -hmm. but even acquaintances that I barely knew who were just attracted to that sense of Mm -hmm. vulnerability. Mm -hmm. You had this sense that maybe because of your limitations, you were going to be disqualified Mm -hmm. and you weren't going to be used. And you came to find that's a lie Mm -hmm. because we know God knows you in and out. And we know he has a purpose for us because his word says that. And he creates everything with purpose and with significance and impact. And then you found by embracing what was as hard as it was, you saw that he was 
in that and could use that in a in a beautiful way. And I love Paul's story, and he is probably one of the most impactful Christians in the history of Christendom. But in scripture, it talks about he had a thorn in his flesh. Yes. And he had prayed three times for God to remove it. And honestly, sometimes healing doesn't come. God absolutely has the power to heal. And it's amazing when he does. But Paul prayed three times and God said no, but because God had a powerful, life-changing purpose. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in weakness. Correct. And yes. And one, I'm especially in John 15, when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do Nothing. nothing. And how often do we try to do everything when we think we can? Mm -hmm. I absolutely had to realize that I cannot juggle it all. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really revealed an opportunity for other people to get involved. And so, yes, that lie that God is not going to be able to use me anymore Mm -hmm. was a lie. I've been able to connect with people on such a deeper level and they find opportunities to step into my life and help me in areas that I'm weak. Mm-hmm. And in exchange, I can help them in areas where they find weakness. Mm-hmm. And so God's not done with me yet. Right. Um, MS was not a death sentence. Mm-hmm. And this is just my, my physical body. God is still very much using me to be able to reach out to other people. Um, and I've had those conversations with people where I say, you know, this is just, this is just a shell. This is not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I have that thorn in my side, so be it. Um, God has healed me, not from the physical, but he's healed me in areas mm-hmm. that I didn't even know needed healing. Amen. Amen. And I also think too, it's really easy for us to say, Hey, Trust Jesus. He's amazing. He's your savior when everything is going well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that doesn't resonate. Correct. But when you have lost, you've lost a lot mm-hmm. and, and you've lost physical yes. capabilities. You lost a marriage. Correct. And you lost a career. Yes. That's hard. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely a tough pill to swallow. Um, but like I said, during that time, I've been able to reach people in such a more profound and authentic way. Mm -hmm. And so I might not have that job title, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm still being used by him because I let him. Mm -hmm. And I think that when I was the most physically capable, high functioning overachiever, that wasn't so much him as much Mm -hmm. as it was me doing Mm -hmm. in the physical. Mm -hmm. Well, that reminds me of a story from scripture. It's Judges 6 and 7. And if you you might be familiar with him, his name is Gideon. Mm -hmm. And we don't really hear of him until this little piece of scripture. And so a little bit of a backdrop, the Israelites, they were being oppressed by the a group called the Midianites. And they were so vicious that they stole their crops, they stole their animals, the Israelites were hiding in mountains and in caves. I mean, it, they were just cruel oppressors. And so when God called Gideon, he was hiding. Mm-hmm. And God basically, first he calls him a mighty warrior, which he's like, 
no, not. <laughs> no, yeah, like, are you, do you see me hiding here? Do you? And there's something that, that God said initially to him that I really, really loved is he said, go in the strength you have. Mm-hmm. And what I love about that is he didn't say, go make yourself strong. Go muster what you don't have. He, he's like, go as you are, mm-hmm. because I, it's not about you. Exactly. That was such a tough reality for me is that my life is not about me. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. And as you said, I've lost so much and I have two children that are looking up to me and I really want to convey that message to them mm-hmm. as much as I want to convey it to anyone who's listening. It's mm-hmm. it's not about me. It's not about me in the physical. Um, it's not about me being small mm-hmm. uh, or discarded or just deemed as incapable mm-hmm. or inarticulate. If God has called me, he will see me through it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think he he showed that a lot in the Gideon passage too, which is why I really like it is, you know, he started out with, he had I think 32,000 armed, like, I don't know if they were armed. I assume they have some kind of armory, but (laughs) yeah, the Israelites were not like the best military force in the ancient world. So I don't, and they had been raided and trampled on. So they probably didn't have huge storehouses of ammunition, but so he gathered 32,000 people and God's like, no, that's, too many. And now the Midianites were so massive, it was like they were like they were like grasshoppers to them or something. I don't remember exactly how scripture put it, but and God's like, no, it's too many. And he knocked them down to like ten thousand. So took out two thirds. And then he's like, No, that's still too many. And he got them down to three hundred. But what he said, which I, I loved, he said, You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. And so he he just kept whittling them down till they got to 300, like 300 against this massive army where there was no way that man could get the glory or think their strength came from within themselves. And, and I hear that you're saying that a lot in your story, like a Prior to diagnosis, even though it seemed like you had everything mm-hmm. on, paper. <laughs> on paper, on paper, you're really stronger now. Absolutely. I would say so. Despite then, mm-hmm. if you see me walking with a limp, mm-hmm. um, if you see me being pushed in a wheelchair, I am absolutely stronger for it. I've had people say um, God tends to give the the toughest battles to the strongest warriors. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to believe that. I've Mm -hmm. had opportunities that would have never come my way Mm -hmm. had it not been for this diagnosis, this thorn in my side. Um, In in April, I mean, God is just so big and Mm -hmm. can orchestrate so much. In April, I had a um, floor speech. Um, at the U.S. House of Representatives speaking about my work and my diagnosis and being able to reach people despite that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that would have ever happened um, mm-hmm. pre-MS mm-hmm. diagnosis. Victoria, I am so glad you mentioned that because it illustrates a really important truth. When weaknesses rise up within us, we may fear as if, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, we may fear as if our plans have been derailed. But we know God's plans for us have not. That he is constantly working out his plans. And this thing, whatever it is, it doesn't surprise him. And it doesn't overwhelm him. He has a plan for us, a good, loving, 
hope-filled plan. And scripture tells us that every day of our lives were recorded in his book before a single one came to pass. So we know that he is right here with us. And we can hold tight to that truth regardless of how we feel. If you're struggling, whether it is with a weakness, with a physical struggle, what I mean, it doesn't really matter what it is, some kind of emotional, if you're struggling emotionally right now, I encourage you to check out Holy Love's Bible reading plan. It's on Version, the Version Bible app, and you can find it. It's 30 Days of Emotional Health. And you can also find show notes for today's episode if you go to crosswalk.com backslash podcast. And included in those show notes, you will find some discussion questions that you can contemplate for yourself. You can gather some people around and you can talk these things out and hopefully really put some steps towards what we discussed today. And I would love it if you would subscribe and then you'll get all the content for this series of finding, choosing faith over fear. I would also be really encouraged if you would rate today's podcast and and I would love it if you would share it with your friends on social media or wherever you share your podcast material. And remember, life is too short and we have too much to do for any of us to live enslaved. So go in faith, go in courage, and go knowing that you are completely and fully loved. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. I'm Don Hawkins, inviting you to be encouraged with my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You. To subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.